We've been in the midst of a series entitled Together and been really enjoying just looking at the scriptures and Hebrews that are encouraging us to encourage one another daily. And this passage here in Hebrews chapter 10 is much of the same. There's an urgency in these words that we'll read for us as believers to take Christian fellowship seriously and to be highly committed to it. And I was talking about in the past number of weeks how we're hoping to just kind of and pray for it, church, as we're heading through the fall and into the winter, into the new year. We're just aiming as pastors to do all we can to help facilitate just deep friendship, deep fellowship, and and deeper and deeper as we go into our future. And uh, one of the things we're really excited about is we want to have each care group, small group in our church, look out for itself and, and, and seek to not get bigger than 12 to 15 people before we sort of raise up a new group in the midst so we might keep the fellowship close and so we can share our hearts and walk in the light more closely Small groups, when they become big groups, are no longer small groups. And so we're just seeing the need as the church is growing and more people are being added to the small groups. We're just seeing a need to um, continue the strengths that we've had in the past with fellowship and to have small groups where we really are able to get into each other's lives, genuinely care for one another, carry each other's burdens in the Lord and Encourage one another daily and stir one another up toward love and good deeds as this passage here talks about. So please just be praying for that initiative. We're also aware, you know, some of that, I was thinking about this this past week, church, as I visited one of the care groups. We were just talking about, we're going to have to have a collective vision in this as we do it together. To really have a vision to go deep and to go close with the brothers and sisters that are in our midst, in our small group and in our care groups. And I want to encourage all of you to pray about just committing to a care group in our church. But as you do, we also want to have a vision for the people who are not yet in our midst. The people whom God is going to save through our witness. And for the people who are going to become born again and they're going to be added to the church in the the days and months and weeks and years to come. And so each one of our small groups... We, we long for them to be places where new people can come in and feel immediately like they belong here and to where they're immediately embraced. Now, when that happens, those groups are going to grow. And what we're desiring is for each group to really keep an eye on itself. And as you see the group starting to grow, seeking to find solutions together from within your group and running those suggestions and thoughts by us as pastors first before taking fresh initiative, but to be able to see new leaders raised up and assistant care group leaders raised up to start new groups so that individuals might be discipled and raised up in our church that others who haven't had the benefit of close fellowship will be able to taste that life as well. And so that the fellowship in our church is always going forward in a fresh mission, even as it doesn't sacrifice depth. And so... It's one of those things that we just really need to pray about together as a church. And 
I'd ask you just to pray together with us. We're going to need more care group leaders. We're going to need more hosts of new care groups. We're going to need, um, we're hoping that every care group will have an assistant care group leader so that the burden isn't all just on the care group leader and his wife. And we're just looking to have all of us really step up into a passionate pursuit of fellowship together. Because what we're believing is that as we do that, our church is going to be a place where biblical fellowship abounds and where encouragement in Christ abounds and where when we get together, we are firing each other up for Jesus more and more as the days go forward. And that as our church grows, we don't sacrifice any of our fellowship depth. And we're really burdened about that. And it's one of the reasons why we've had this series. And so I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 24 and look at how important this ministry is to our perseverance in the faith. Stirring up one another together is vital for our perseverance in the faith. Hebrews chapter 10, let's look at verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, speaking of Jesus, to do Your will, O God, as it is written of Me in the scroll of the book, When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. Ah, what a great phrase. Those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, oh, beautiful words as well. 
I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Ah, take that in, brothers and sisters. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to be in our midst. Stir us up, Almighty God. Stir us up toward love and good works, Holy Spirit. Stir us up to remember the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf and to take comfort and full assurance that we might hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Oh, Almighty God, do this and cause our love and our passion for You to grow even stronger. Cause our faith to be even sweeter and deeper in our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anybody here who has not ever believed in Your Son, who's never turned from their sins and repentance and trusted in Your Son for forgiveness, Lord, there is salvation in no one else. Open up their eyes to believe in Jesus. Lord, help them to come to repentance and faith this morning and be saved. And may they be added to our church and be used greatly in our midst for Your glory. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, it is so good to be together with you, my dear brothers and sisters, my precious church family. I've been so moved reading these passages and moved by this story that I'm going to read to you. Right now, this story's been affecting me all throughout the fall, and I want to read the testimony right now. The story of martyrdom of Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer, who on October 16th, 1555, during the new reign of Queen Mary, nicknamed Bloody Mary, a Roman Catholic queen who persecuted the 
Ridley and Latimer. These two brothers in Christ were burned at the stake in England on that date, October 16, 1555, for their belief that the finished work of Christ on the cross alone is our salvation. It is by faith alone in Christ's perfect and once for all time sacrifice on the cross that we are saved. And not by Christ's sacrifice. Yes, it was offered up on the cross, but it needs to be offered up again and again and again by Catholic Mass in order for you to be saved. And if you don't follow the Mass, you cannot be saved. And and Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer, by the grace of God, were born again and saved. And, and the Lord made clear to them that, as we even read here in Hebrews chapter 10, that Christ once for all time, offered up the single sacrifice for sins of Himself. And it's that by faith in that sacrifice, and faith in that sacrifice alone, that you are saved. And not by carrying on the the man-made ritual of the Mass. These brothers in Christ passionately proclaimed Jesus Christ and stood firm upon the Gospel of grace that salvation is by faith alone. In Christ alone. And they paid for it with their lives. Hugh Latimer was an older man by this time, having encouraged many believers in the Lord. He wrote about this moment, this truth. Christ made one perfect sacrifice for the whole For all the whole world. Neither can any man offer him again. Neither is there any propitiation for our sins, saving his cross only. That's Latimer. We all in here agree, right? Imagine if there was a stake outside. And they were burning us for it. It's how it was and how it is, brothers and sisters, around the world for many believers today. And though we may not be burned for it, let us stand upon it as the men and women of God did of old. And hold fast the confession. We are confessional Christians. We are Christians that believe That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and on the third day He was raised in accordance with the Scriptures. And that that precious doctrine is the matter of first importance for the church. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-6, we treasure Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen from the grave, as the only hope for man's salvation, that it's by faith, Alone, in Christ alone that we are saved. And not by the works of the law or by man-made ritual. And we must hold fast our confession even as Latimer and Ridley did. Ridley's words, a much younger man, a scholarly man who did much good for the Protestant Reformation in England, wrote this. 
Christ made one perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And neither can any man reiterate that sacrifice of His. Amen. Amen. It's the truth. They were in prison for it with two other friends. And one Christian wrote about this. While the four friends shared the same room or prison cell, they poured over the New Testament together to see if they had missed the way in its teachings on these doctrines. How humble of them to ever be reformed according to the Word of God. And to have sola scriptura as our sole authority, absolute authority, and not the words of the Pope or any other man. But they found in the holy book that the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross was perfect, holy, and good. And that God did require none other, nor that it should ever be done again. The Roman Catholics believe, as many of you would know, that when they offer up the Mass, uh, the the priest uh, speaks over the bread and the cup magical words that turns the, the, the bread into the actual body of Christ and the cup into the actual blood of Christ. And then they offer it up and, and they... They, they offer it up, and it's, it's one of those doctrines that they believe is essential for salvation. And so if you, you can believe in Christ, that's good as far as it goes, but you must also, throughout your life, all the way up until you get last rites, continue to get the Mass. And if you don't continue to get the Mass, you cannot be sure that you are saved. Brothers and sisters, that's unbiblical. It's heresy. And it has led and is leading astray millions of people on their pathway to hell. Let us pray with compassion toward those who are ensnared and entrenched still in the Roman Catholic Church. It holds a power over people because people believe unless they keep doing this, that they won't be saved But the good news is, as we read in Hebrews, and I can't help but think that Latimer and Ridley and their brothers in Christ in the prison cell with them were encouraged as they poured over their New Testaments with this passage here that we read this morning in Hebrews chapter 10. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible for a ritual of a man to take away sins. It's impossible for anything to take away our sins. But it is not impossible for the blood of Christ and faith in the blood of Christ alone to take away our sins. And when you trust in Jesus Christ and rely upon His finished work on the cross and His finished work on the cross alone, brothers and sisters, you are saved from the wrath to come through the blood of Christ that's been sprinkled over every one of us. Amen? Aren't you so thankful for the good news of God's grace and the awesome sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice 
of Jesus Christ. And listen to this story. Ridley arrived first at the stake. And he lifted up his clasped hands and looked towards heaven as if in prayer. You just imagine this moment. I, every time I read this, I just... Then with a wondrous, cheerful look. Really? That ready to get burned? Cheerful? Yes, by the power of the Spirit, by the grace of God, yes. Then with a wondrous, cheerful look, Ridley ran to greet Latimer. He ran to greet Latimer with the embrace and kiss of a fellow martyr. And he said these words. Be of good heart, brother. For God will either assuage the fury of the flame or else strengthen us to abide it. And he's about ready to die and he's encouraging his brother. They're placed upon the stakes back to back. They light the fire. Fires. And while burning, which Latimer burned very quickly and Ridley burned very slowly, while burning, Latimer, who was burning faster, but heard his brother in Christ Ridley struggling because the fire was only burning his legs and not consuming the rest of the body. And he was in great distress. The older Christian Latimer, while he was burning, encouraged, stirred up, and comforted his distressed brother with these words. Historically known. Be of good cheer, Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day, by God's grace, light up such a candle in England as I trust will never be put out. They stirred each other up. They strengthened each other in the faith, in prison, before the stake, at the stake, and across the finish line, all the way until their moment of martyrdom, and then they entered into glory together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm looking forward to, at the end of this service, singing a song that we love together in Christ alone. And as we sing it later in the service, let us remember that brothers and sisters have died for the truth of it. And may we hold fast our confession of it 
with firm conviction and great assurance. Two points from the message this morning. The first is sprinkled clean. Sprinkled clean. And secondly, stirred up. Stirred up. Point one, sprinkled clean. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart or a sincere heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 22. Brothers and sisters, the background of this passage is talking about the priesthood under the Old Covenant. The ironic priesthood with Aaron and his sons these priests in Leviticus chapter 8 you can read about this Aaron and their ceremony included sprinkling the priests with blood before they made sacrifices on the altar that they might be cleansed for their own sins And then they would wash with water to purify themselves and consecrate themselves for the service of the priesthood. The sprinkling of blood was for the cleansing of sins. The washing of water was for the purification of service. And here, the apostle, writing the letter to the Hebrews, writes and uses that beautiful and powerful Old Testament imagery to remind us of what Christ has done for us. Verse 22 says, and I'm just loving this, aren't you? Let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith How? Because with our hearts sprinkled clean, they have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let me just pause there and remind you of this, my dear brothers and sisters. If you just take a moment to reflect throughout your life, and you think of your thought life, and you think of your words, and you think of your actions... It will not take long if you give it some reflection to find the sentence in yourself that you are indeed evil and wicked as I am and worthy of the just punishment of God forever in hell in light of his infinite holiness. God could have forever left us in that condition. He was not obligated to sacrifice His one precious Son for our sins. He was not obligated to do this. He would have been just to send us to hell forever. And He still would have been worthy of worship and praise for His goodness. 
by the angels. Because God is a just God. Who when the angels sinned once, they were cast out forever. This is an image of the holiness of God. God was not obligated to save us. And lest we forget that, let us never, ever take for granted the precious truth when we, whenever we say it. Christ died for my sins. May it never become cliche. May it never become commonplace. May it never hit our ears. Where we have a spirit of, like, oh, yeah, 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 I already know that. It doesn't get any deeper. It doesn't get any sweeter. It doesn't get any more precious in terms of truth than to know that we can be fully assured and we can enter into the holy of holies because of the sprinkled blood of Christ by this perfect sacrifice and faith in it all because of the grace of God. And God determined to put forward His spotless Son and offer Him up as a spotless sacrifice and pour out all of His holy and righteous wrath for the sins of His people who didn't care about Him even while we were still sinners Christ died for us as the priest offering up the sacrifice of himself and God putting forward his own sacrifice of his own precious son and saying, I am going to put my son through hellish torments instead of one Christ community church forever in hell. That's my goodness. That's my love. May it be a never-ending source of amazement and marveling. May it, as the Scriptures exhort us here, be a source this morning, dear brothers and sisters, that you can draw near this morning. I don't know what your week looked like. This may have been one of the worst weeks in relation to battling indwelling sin that you've had in a long time. Maybe you come in here, you are very aware of an evil conscience. Nobody has to explain that to you. You've been sprinkled, brother. You've been sprinkled, sister. Take heart and be of good cheer. And hold fast this morning the confession of your hope and have hope. Because yes, you do indeed deserve to go to hell just as I do, but God has done something for you. A once for all time perfect sacrifice on the cross. And he through his blood offered up a propitiation. That word means that Christ on the cross was a wrath-absorbing sacrifice. He was a wrath-exhausting sacrifice. So that there's not one drop of God's holy wrath left. For you to drop on you on the day of judgment, you are not almost saved. You're saved. Then I'm saved. And we have such cause to rejoice as we sing in Christ alone with greater and greater passion through the years because brothers and sisters, we have been sprinkled clean. And this imagery of the priesthood here is meant to also cause us to remember that we not only have been forgiven of our sins for salvation, we've also been consecrated to God through the washing of His water and through the Holy Spirit for service unto God. This language here, interestingly enough, 
was talking about the ironic priesthood in the Old Testament with the sprinkling of blood in Leviticus 8 and the washing of water. It can conjure up images, and the Roman Catholic Church does this, where they walk into the service, everybody does, and they dip their hands in holy water and make a sign of the cross. And, 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 and that, that ritual is meant to kind of liken to this of, a, I, I, need, I need cleansing and fresh consecration coming in here, but I'm never fully uh, washed clean or, or consecrated for service once for all time. i got to do it again and again and again and again. And I gotta come and come to Mass again in order to get saved again and again and again and again. Brothers and sisters, we can draw near here this morning. Having been washed by the blood of the Lamb for the forgiveness of our sins. And we can also Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And we can step into service. It's interesting here that the language in the Old Testament of the priesthood was that it was a limited number of men only. Now under the new covenant, the language here, the apostle employs for the, the Hebrew Christians as a whole. He's not writing here to the elders of the Hebrew church. He's, he's not just simply writing to a few higher ups in the church in terms of leadership. This is a doctrine that's precious and beautiful. It's the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Where we all minister before the Lord, washed by His water, the cleansing and sanctifying of the Holy Spirit's power, knowing that, and what a beautiful verse in verse 10. As we serve the Lord in our Christian lives, look at verse 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And look at verse 14. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You are being sanctified. You are not a finished product. We have many areas where we still struggle with indwelling sin day in and day out, week in and week out, even as Christians. But God has perfected for all time His beloved bride, through the blood of His Son. And He has also washed our bodies with pure water to consecrate us unto the service of the Lord with consciences which once condemned us. Now our consciences testify that therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And with full assurance of faith, resting in the precious grace of God, we step forward, church, into bold action and good works for His glory. We serve as a kingdom and priests unto the Most High God who can draw near to the throne of grace with confidence because we have a high priest who's, un, who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses in every respect and who was tempted in every respect as we are, and yet was without sin. We have been saved. We have been consecrated for service. We no longer need holy water any longer. 
Because God has done it all. Jesus has paid it all. And the Holy Spirit dwells within His people. He has put the law of God on our hearts. He's written them on our minds. And we are consecrated unto His service, ready to go. Listen, I, I deal with this a lot with people, especially those of you who are newer. You come in, you just come in the midst, and you feel like you've got to stand at a distance. You feel like you've got to stand at a distance. And I often will hear, even, even those who believe in Christ say, I just, I just feel... I feel unworthy. I'm not worthy. Well, the good news, my friend, is that the Christian life is not about your worthiness. It's about faith in Christ's worthiness. And He has perfected you forever. He has justified you by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So draw near. No longer stand at a distance. Draw near before your God, your Lord, your Savior, with full confidence and full assurance of faith and hope. Because He who has promised is faithful. He has done this. He has got you. He's never going to let you go. He has sprinkled you with blood, cleansing you from your sins, and he has also consecrated you unto the service as a priest unto the Lord to serve God's people with confidence, no longer feeling like I'm not worthy. Listen, the, the Satan wants to use sentiments like, I'm just not worthy, to cause you to stay at a distance and not engage in service. He's real crafty like that. There's nothing like the truth of God's word to remind us that we have been sprinkled clean, And we have been consecrated for service. And we serve the Lord with confidence because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen. So encourage each other with these words. May words like this abound in our care groups, abound on Sunday mornings. May our worship explode upward Sunday to Sunday with praises to this awesome God who loved us and gave himself for us like this. And let us hold fast together, Christ Community Church, the confession of our hope, for he who promised is faithful. You know, I so often, I have my eyes on my unfaithfulness so often, more than God's faithfulness. I think we need to shift that. He who promised is faithful. That's how you're going to make it. That's how I'm going to make it. Take heart this morning. Be strong and take heart. And trust in the one who has promised. Point two is stirred up. Stirred up. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This language of stirring up, you may have heard this translation before, the NIV talks about, let us consider how to spur one another on. It's a good word, and stirring up's a good word. It's, this, this is a word that's likened unto provocation. This is a, this is a word with energy. It's, it's almost like we're being prodded, or even, even cut into a, a greater level of service and devotion to the Lord through our brothers and sisters, and they're stirring us up, and are stirring them up. Our fellowship is meant to be alive. 
And for us to come together, and it's not just another meeting when we get together, but we encourage one another, we build one another up, and not tear one another down, and we gather together, we remind ourselves that we've been sprinkled, and that we've been consecrated for service, and that consecration in the service, it's linked here in these other verses, we press on to greater and greater service as we stir one another up in fellowship, as we spur on one another. That image of spurring on is the rider of a horse who uses a spur to cause the horse to run faster. It's just it. We're called to run faster, to believe stronger, to trust harder in the finished work of Christ. And there's times where we are besieged by doubts. There's times where the race that we were running so faithfully, we begin to stumble and falter and slow down our pace and just say, you know what, I I don't know that I can go on. We're meant to be in a body of believers where we all have our arms around each other together and we're saying, no, come on, let's let's press in together. Let's make it all the way to the end. Let's not stop until the finish line. Oh, brothers and sisters, I love that imagery. And I pray to God that we would excel in this more and more. But I want to thank you so much for the way you're already like this church. You do this so well. I was at care group this past week with one of our care groups, and I just had such a great time gathering together with the Christians in this church and talking about these things together. And we were so fired up, just being spurred on by the word and encouraging one another and uh, just really uh, provoking one another toward love and good deeds in greater and greater measure. That's what our meetings are to be about. And I want to let you know, we as pastors are burdened that we never approach meetings or meeting together in just a uh, half-hearted Ah, uh, you know, gotta go to another meeting type way. It's, it's a privilege. It's, it's an honor. It's never, I've gotta go to a meeting, but I get to go to one. May that be our attitude. May we not just go to meetings to attend them. Brothers and sisters, may we go to engage. Engage. God's gonna use you to light somebody up here today. And to feel that onus, to feel that responsibility in the spirit, I'm here not just to show up and attend and take up a seat. I am here to use my spiritual gifts and all of my passion for Christ and my faith in Christ to lighten the load of another brother or a sister here today. I'm coming to, I'm coming to exalt God, but I'm also coming here. Who can I encourage in the Lord? Who can I spur on and stir up toward greater love and good works? Oh, God, help me to have an eagle's eye for where the needs are amongst the people in this church. Help me not to stand at a distance because of my uh, troubled conscience over sin. No, my sins have been once for all time removed away from me. And even if I feel unworthy because of my sin in the past week to even serve God's people, listen, he's washed you with water as well. You've been consecrated. Go forward. In confidence, let me go forward. I, I never come up here even to preach where I'm not saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We all have been covered and we all need to be covered by the blood of Christ. But the good news is, is that we have. And brothers and sisters, may we go to meetings with passion and fire in our hearts and eyes. Those are care group meetings you want to go to. 
when you go and everybody's just pumped to light everybody else up greater for Jesus. I won't miss that meeting. But what happens is, is we just start to slide into sort of a going through the motions mentality. And yeah, we might even be still committed, but we're like committed in this like half-hearted way where we're showing up. We're not really expecting anything from God. We're not really expecting for the Holy Spirit to fall and fill us up fresh. We're not really expecting to have anybody that we might be able to stir up and encourage. The scriptures assume, brothers and sisters, Brothers and sisters in Christ are starving for encouragement. We talked about that last week. And brothers and sisters are in need of being stirred up toward love and good works. That's what care group is all about. As Hebrews 3 said last week, let us encourage one another daily. Let us stir one another up. I was so moved a couple weeks ago. I was uh, fellowshipping with Sherry Kane over this, and she was just talking about one of the things that really affects her about this Hebrews 10 passage. She didn't even know we were going to preach on it in a number of weeks. She was just saying, I'm so affected by the phrase all the more. Or as the NIV says, more and more, as you see the day approaching. Have you ever seen the dynamic where Christians who are newly born again are on fire? And Christians who have been Christians for many years wane in that fire? Could there be a connection here? That we're not walking in this the way we should. This is a command of God. Let us not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's this spirit in the church. You see it here in Hebrews where it's like, hey, The day of judgment is on the horizon. We're going to be standing before the Lord before we know it. Just in a flash, we're going to be standing before Christ, seeing Him face to face. And it'll all be over. It'll be forever rest. All the exhaustion, all of it will be done forever. Brothers and sisters, but now is the time for labor. Now is the time for loving action. Now is the time for good works. And brothers and sisters, let us put our hand to the plow and not look back and accomplish everything that God has for us as individual Christians and And as a church, as David Brainerd, the missionary once said, may I never loiter on my heavenly journey. We're not meant as Christians to stand around with our hands in the pockets. We're meant to get up and rise up and be the true church and stir up one another and encourage one another. No, step into work this week, brother. And with that difficult person at work, how might God use you to reach that guy for the Lord? And to meet together and have vision to meet together. Listen, I want to let you know, Ben, John, and I were so excited about this 12 to 15 initiative with care groups. The reason we're so excited about it is we never want within our church to just have meetings to have meetings. We're not interested in that. If we're just having meetings to have meetings, I'd rather just stay home and chill out and relax and read a good book. Brothers and sisters, look at Hebrews. And may each and every one of you, including myself, have a biblical conviction that this matters. The way we choose to manifest it in our church is many. But the the major staple, the one constant, if you will, that we want to have is that the Sunday morning gatherings, we take very serious and we're highly committed to one another in those so we can exalt God and go upward. And the care groups... We're going to have many other fellowship groups, Bible studies, prayer meetings, everything. We're going to do it. Your gifts are going to flow. 
I want many things to be raised up from within your spiritual gifts in the church. And Ben, John, and I are pumped for that. But listen, the backbone of care groups, we want that to be a constant where it's like a firehouse. When we go there, we light each other up. And every single care group, all of us as members of this church are committed and devoted to one another. We're devoted to Christ and we're devoted to one another. And we prioritize these things, not because the pastors say so or not because people or man are telling me to do it but because God's word says to live this way and therefore we have a biblical conviction to get there, to do it. That's a, little, that's a stirring up word. It's so sad that in, in many believers' lives, and listen, I'm saying this to my own, my own self as well. I can see it in my own soul. It's like we are highly devoted to everything else in our lives, won't miss a commitment or be late to anything else. But when it comes to church, it's just like this casual, laissez-faire kind of moseying on in. Brothers and sisters, let us let us be motivated by grace. Listen, let there be no judgment of any of us with this, but let us be on a mission together. When we gather together on Sunday mornings, we want to explode upward in praise and, and devotion to the Lord and we want to take a mindset when it comes to the small groups as well that it's not like, you know, maybe I'll go to care group if I feel like it this week. <laughs> you ever been there? I have. It's got to be deeper than that. My obedience to the Lord's commands have to run deeper than just whether I feel like doing them or not. Now, we'll be, we'll re- be real stark on other commands, and thank God we are, but look at verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, and look at this admonishment. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Brothers and sisters, this is the apostle himself being an example of a spur (laughs) to all of us, and may we all take it to heart. May we not be amongst the number of those who neglect to meet together. Now listen, there's seasons. There are hard seasons where it's difficult to remain committed or you, you have a health issue coming up or there's just challenges. And we, listen, I want you to know this. Our church, we are a church that motivates by grace. You are not going to get chastised for uh, missing meetings and everybody, including care group leaders, all of us, make sure that we never chastise people for not making a meeting or have that kind of spirit, like, where were you? That is so not what we're about. We want to motivate by grace. We want to be motivated by love. We don't want to judge people. But we do want to stir up one another in grace. We do want to spur each other on. Toward love and good works. And I want to encourage you that verse 25 is really about commitment. It's about building a principle in my life as a Christian man. To where as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And we're going to serve the Lord as the word of God describes. Not how I feel like it or how I define it. God's word says... To not give up meeting together. You may have a disposition to not like meetings. This is just the way the Lord works. Will you lay down the difficulty sometimes or 
the challenge it is to want to just chill after a long day when you come home from work. Listen, I, I feel it myself. There is never a meeting I go to where I'm just like, yippee, typically. <laughs> you feel me on that? I mean, I, I, I feel it. We all feel it. We're in that together. It's been a long week, been a hard week, a lot of stuff coming up. Listen, that's why I need to get there. Talking with another brother in care group the other night, and he was just saying, "Man, you know, we were so we, we were so relating with just the, the just wanting to chill out at home tonight." But you know, every time we do it, and I think we can all testify to this, we just have this heart of like, "I'm so glad I did it, so glad I came, so glad I came to worship." Some of you may have a mindset of, "Man, I, I just I'm not getting a whole lot out of it." Listen, be the change that you want to see in your care group. Be the change. I said this last week, everybody can kind of lob pot shots in on where the church is weak, where it needs to grow. These are the problems in this church, and these are the problems in this church. Congratulations, what are you doing about it to help stir up these brothers and sisters? Are you going to just stand off at a distance and be a self-righteous judge of other believers? Or are you going to get involved? I mean that with all the grace in my heart, but what are you going to really be about? I mean, are we going to just sit here and play games, or are we going to get real with each other and say, listen, no. All of us have our flesh battling us every time. You want to know why? Because when we gather together and pray and we gather together in fellowship, Mario and Jen's get marinated. And they go to Croatia to plant churches. No wonder Satan wants to sit at home watching Netflix on care group night. He doesn't want to stir it up one another. He wants us like bickering and fighting over stupid secondary issues and things that don't matter in the culture rather than building each other up in Christ on Facebook and building each other up in Christ in church and a care group and lighting each other up toward love and good deeds. Brothers and sisters, I am passionate about this because brothers and sisters, men and women have died for Christ and singing in Christ alone. They've laid down their life. They've burned at the stake. And we cannot just sit here in Berks County and try to live out and get the American dream and waste our lives here and have nothing to lay down before the Lord on the day of judgment. Is that what we want? He died for me. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us with zeal to live this life all out for your glory. Help us to take up the cross daily and follow you even when we don't feel like it. Help us to be a people that obey even when it hurts. That was a spurring on. A stirring up into my own soul, brothers and sisters. When I'm preaching that passionately, I want to let you know I, I'm never angry. I'm filled with love and filled with zeal. You're doing this. You are so wonderful. But brothers and sisters, the level we're at, wherever we're at, the scriptures call us to more and more. More and more. You may be the most committed person in this church. God's calling you to more and more as the day of judgment draws near. It's not less and less and less. And I know there's challenges. But we've got to find a way to 
to follow through on this. I was just saying to Shannon last night, I mean, I'm not on Facebook now. I kind of live through Facebook with her and we just kind of enjoy encouraging people together. And she'll say, oh, CB, somebody was sharing this. And oh, I'll encourage them with that, Shannon. And we'll encourage them as a couple. I love staying connected and I'm not on it personally, but I love, I love it. And I love Facebook. And I think I was like, you know, you know, when I imagine myself getting on it and I will, if I ever become a shut in and I can't show up to church physically and be in your presence worshiping God, you are going to be seeing an old man active on Facebook. <laughs> Stirring up, encouraging, doing everything I can to help the next generation hold fast their confession of hope. To not let go all the way to heaven. That's why we're here on this earth. This is what matters in life, is living all out for God in this one short life that he has given to us to live it. So Christ Community Church, let us burn with this kind of fire together. Let us burn with this kind of zeal. Let us be fully assured in our faith and rest in the grace of God because we've been sprinkled clean. And may we stir up one another to greater and greater acts of love and devotion and more and more. As the day of judgment approaches. Tom, could you return? And brothers and sisters, can we just sing in Christ alone and give praise to our almighty God for how awesome he is, that he would have loved us like this. And may we just let it be a confessional song that we lift up to God and that we delight in the praises that we sing because God inhabits the praises of his people and delights when his people gather together to worship and praise him. Let us all stand. Thank you, Lord.